0: Good evening and welcome to a quarterfinal edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob?
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody?
0: <laughs> Hopefully everyone is doing great. Uh, the Dukes won their round of 16 game over conference opponent Stony Brook 26-7 over the week, extending their winning streak to a number that I have lost track of. <laughs> um, The Dukes advance advanced to the quarterfinals this Friday night on ESPN2, where they will face the Weber State Wildcats from Ogden, Utah, uh, winners of the Big Sky Conference. We are all really looking forward to a short week. It'll be exciting to uh, see a lot of Dukes again quicker than usual this week. Um, Rob and I, we're going to have a guest tonight, and we're really, really grateful for Dave Thomas, the radio play-by-play announcer's time and generosity, but we've had some technical issues, so... Dave is going to rejoin us maybe later in the week or maybe um,
1: maybe maybe basketball season maybe
0: basketball season when we really need him yes but Uh, it
1: was our fault not his uh, technical difficulties with with the free technology that we're using here
0: that's right and I guess that's a good segue to um, the one thing we do want to as always we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg Virginia Um, finally got to talk to Pale Fire a little bit this week and if you go by the brewery you get a free pint glass for mentioning the JMU Sports Blog podcast uh those guys are great and we'll be i will be looking forward to having a few of their tasty beverages at some point uh on s- friday night or saturday uh depending on hopefully there's no overtime uh this weekend <laughs> so yeah um but we also want to bring up one other thing um we did p- post about it on the blog uh last week but this is our first sort of official announcement about it and that is we rob and i are we we do have another t-shirt um and for the first time, it is our very own T-shirt. We, when we started this whole project eight or nine years ago, we never dreamed that we would get to the point where maybe people wanted an actual JMU sports blog product. <laughs> we have had a few T-shirts over the years. We've tried <laughs> off and on um, with <laughs> varying levels of success um, to kind of hit on general JMU-themed T-shirts uh, that didn't steal anybody's mark or anything. Uh, but we have our very own Jamie sports blog t-shirt um, and we're doing it as a campaign. Uh, we're really thrilled. We've got a company out of Richmond bonfire that does an amazing job on these shirts and they're running it as a campaign. It is open till a, a week from this Wednesday. So is it the 13th, is
1: that the, the
0: 13th. Yeah. And we chose that date. So all the shirts will go to print on the 14th. We chose that date. We can't guarantee Christmas delivery, Um, but a lot of them, Bonfire uses mostly Virginia suppliers and Virginia um, print shops, so a lot of them might get there by Christmas, but they will all definitely be delivered um, by the week of a potential Frisco trip before anyone gets on any planes. So, and just so you guys know, the reason we're doing this campaign is um, Rob and I have always done this site, Um, the website, the blog, everything we've ever done has been just because we enjoy doing it. Uh, we love the Dukes, we've had a lot of fun, we've improved our own friendship um, over the years, and we've had a lot of fun doing this and met so many great people. But we, as most of you know, our site looks ancient because we don't have really any banner ads running, there's no pop-ups, um, anything like that. Uh, we never wanted to do this site on anybody else's schedule. We wanted to feel free to take a step away when we needed to and come back when we needed to, and incredibly, we've settled into a rhythm where we've been pretty consistent so we are doing this T-shirt and this campaign uh, to try to raise a little money to plug back into everything we're doing. So I- I'd love to buy myself a new mic, maybe a- some better headphones or something to make this podcast. Maybe it won't sound like we're stacking poker chips all the time. Yeah, um, maybe we
1: could actually get an app that works
0: for right. our guests. Maybe yeah. we can pay for an app that works for our guests. So yeah, we, um, this is really about us. Um, no pressure on this at all, but we can't thank everybody. We've already had, we've almost, you know, our, our small goal is 50. Our moonshot goal is a hundred. We've already, we're already halfway to 50. Um, just since we soft announced this late last week, uh, thank you to everybody. There's also a donate button on the site. Bonfire gives you that option. We had no idea. I was like, okay, I guess we'll put it on there. And we can't thank people enough. We've already received, um, some straight. More than we deserve. More than we deserve. And, you know, to Scott and Zach and everybody else that's, that's donated already, we can't thank you enough. It means the world to us, and we, we promise um, we both feel obligated now. We said, oh, my gosh, we're really going to have to be good about this for the next year. <laughs> you know, So um, we will try to live up to the generosity that you guys have shown us. Uh, we hope everybody out there is enjoying it. And you're only going to have to hear this tonight and next week. Um, so... Hopefully, um, go ahead. Our friend Ben Markowitz designed our logo. We have an official JMU Sports Blog logo. Uh, it's great. <laughs> we love it. Uh, the shirts are really great. Bonfire, even, they're, like, they're legit, right? They sent us samples and everything like that. So they look great. And just if, if you want to find the shirts, you can go on the blog and look back to last week. You can, we'll obviously post about it on Facebook and Twitter uh, this week as well. And you can go to bonfire.com forward slash JMUSB. Bonfire.com forward slash JMUSB. So I don't know if Rob, if you wanted to add anything to that, but uh, I think that brings us through the shilling, the shameless self promotion that we.
1: Yeah let's, both, just, yeah, let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I We're both red awkward red red enough red red about red.
0: this already. So yeah. yeah.
1: But they so, are cool shirts. Uh, ben did a great job and Bonfire did a great job. There's a couple different styles. So check it out. No pressure if you want it. Um, Definitely go and buy one and make a good Christmas gift for any really dorky people you have in your life. That's
0: that's right. So thank you, uh, everybody. So with that, we're going to move into, as we always do, we're going to do four downs from this week's win over Stony Brook, 26 to 7 Dukes. And then we're going to do some concerns. And then we've got what we think is a pretty cool off-topic conversation tonight. We didn't put it out too much to the public this week um, because we thought we had a pretty good idea. So hopefully you guys like that as well. But, Rob, do you want to take first down from this week?
1: Yeah. Um, I, in many ways, this was kind of like a continuation of, of the season's theme and that JMU kind of won. Um, I think we got a text from our buddy Holston afterwards who termed it, oh, look, another slow blowout. Like yep. There are these kind of like low-key, underwhelming – yet utterly dominating victories. Um, you know, they marched down and scored on that first drive. It's <laughs> not put on. I, I really got the impression. They were like, all right, let's just close it out. Yep. Um, I mean, it was, it's weird. Cause they're in some ways they're every bit as dominant as some of those, or more dominant than some of the lopsided scores from last year. Mm. But it's just, it's kind of like a slow bleed, you know, um, that was, that first drive was just surgical precision, uh, but yeah. I don't think Shore missed a pass. Nope. Um, Base was just running the same place over and over again to different guys. They couldn't match up. I mean, it really I don't know, to me, maybe I'm just naive or I've got way too much like purple Kool-Aid flowing through my veins right now. But it seemed to give credence to the notion that Jamie's gonna do just enough and then kind of sit on the playbook. Um it really seemed like the game plan was let's get out there, let's win early, and then the defense will take us home, boys. Yep. And that, that was kind of how it was. Um I mean the offense kind of sputtered at times, but that game was never in doubt. They had, they had, you know, Stony Brook kind of on their heels, um, literally from the opening drive, and it That's was right. just game set match. One drive, what like ten for ten passing. Mm-hmm. Um, Alls was nuts. Stapleton got involved. Eldridge had some big, big catches, and then that was it. It, it really, it's, it's weird. Like we're very spoiled as fans. We're, we're waiting for the fireworks, and I don't think they're coming, and I don't think it matters. Or maybe they're here, and we're just not noticing them.
0: Yeah, I thought. I mean, a couple. I mean, obviously, after that first drive, I thought, "Oh wow, here we go!" Right? Yeah. The training wheels are off. The game plan. Um, Duke's had clearly decided we're not even going to mess with running up the middle. We're just going to throw these to the, you know, to our athletes on the outside and let them work. Yep. And um and that wasn't the way it turned out. But I did notice a couple, especially one thing I noticed on Twitter this weekend was a couple former JMU players, um, talking about how they think that someday this, what they, I think somebody said this less flashy team will get the credit they deserve. Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I agree. It's yeah. I mean, Stony Brook only scored a touchdown because Jimmy Moreland fell down. Yeah. Right. I mean, otherwise that is a shutout a yeah. five interception blanking of a team that was averaging 30 points a game. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, they I, won
1: 10 games. <laughs> That's right. That, that was, that was not some team that just, you know, barely snuck into the playoffs or, nope. um, That's a really good team. They they
0: lost to Delaware, who was a quality team, and to Pitt, an FBS team, in a close game. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good team. And I think, uh, I I fully expect another similar uh, type game this weekend. We'll get to Weber in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think you're right on, Rob. I I think that's, it's interesting the way, (laughs) the slow blowout (laughs) is a great way of describing what JMU does this year.
1: Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's fun. Mm It's fun to watch. And, it's a weird sort of confidence to have when you're a fan of a team with a defense that is this dominating.
0: Yeah. And, and that's my second down is the defensive line. Um, I, I know that the, the DBs are going to get the credit. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of record breaking performances this weekend. Um, I think Terrence Alls tied or surpassed DD Boxley for the most catches in a game um, in a JMU game. I think um, Raven Green tied the all-time JMU interceptions record this week and almost broke it with another one.
1: Second team All CAA, Raven <laughs> right, Green. Right,
0: second team All I mean, CAA. Yeah, right.
1: I'm not, I'm not much for the. I know that's are just kind of like meat awards, and I'm never one to like scream and yell over that. But come on, people voted for
0: that, right? And uh, and another record we might get to in a little bit, but um, and I know that the you know the DBs get the credit for for those plays and they deservedly so, but and the D line didn't have the sack numbers this week. But they absolutely destroyed Stacey Bedell and that leotine kid. Yeah. I mean, Stony Brook was hyped up in the running game. The D-line shut them down entirely, and they just collapsed the pocket. I mean, we were a little worried going in this week because Stony Brook was a big, strong front, and the D-line just absolutely controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, part of a huge reason that 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 kid Carbone threw all those interceptions is because he just never had any time. Um. And that was just an amazing Urquhart, Robinson, Rondell Carter. I mean, just Mm. a lot of great play up there. Anchor. Anchor, yeah. yeah. Um, All the way across that whole group was just an outstanding performance from the D-line. So JMU, I think they blitzed one time on the opening series and got beat where they sent Hereford and Stony Brook converted a first down. And they never really blitzed again in the whole game. And they still controlled the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, they were just you know running running four sometimes five down linemen and just going straight at them and putting a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, just a, a pretty stellar performance. Stony Brook is a good team. Yeah, um, they didn't they didn't look very good. <laughs>
0: that's right. So what about third down, Rob?
1: I guess that's just. I guess I kind of let off with, with my main point is, um, once again, like everybody's talking, you know, oh Stony Brook, oh fraudulent. That's not the case. Stony Brook was very good. They won 10 games. Um, Carbone, again, like he looked lousy on Saturday. He's mm-hmm. not a bad player. He's not Laletta. He's not sure. But he's a solid quarterback who just led his team to 10 wins. And, you know, their they're best finish since joining the league. And JMU made him look lousy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to think of it that way. This was not like, oh, that guy sucks. No, he he's decent and he looked terrible yep. because JMU was so good. Um, they knocked him down hard. I think shook him up a bit. You know, he came out of the game. Yeah. What is first time dropping back?
0: Yeah. It was think like, Herford he never regained his yep. composure. Yep.
1: Um, I, I think, you know, they, they probably had some sort of game plan in mind to do a little bit of wild card. I mean, wild card, wildcat, <laughs> yeah. but not to the degree that they did it. Um,
0: sure.
1: Jamie just completely took them out of their game plan. And that's something we've seen for a while now. It goes back, you know, Todd and I were chatting before we started tonight and, People have a a way about them, and I do it too, but we tend to kind of belittle the opponents sometimes rather than building up the winners. You know, the the standard soft use and state, oh, they were a fraud. No, they weren't. They were a good team. They look fraudulent because JMU crushed them so bad. Like, it's the same thing with Stony Brook. Stony Brook just got run off the field. Um, That does not mean they're not good, it just means JMU is that much better. So I'm super, super proud of the team. I was blown away. I mean, five interceptions. You, you talked about the defensive line; that was mm-hmm. great. The defensive backs. I mean, oh, that's it's not even fair. Jimmy they could have had they could have had eight picks. You know, right. they, they got their hands on a couple more. Um, you know, some questionable pass interference calls, particularly that one against Jimmy. Yeah, but they made a a decent QB. I mean, the guy's not all CA, but he's a he's a decent good QB. He looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, and that's just it. Give some credit to JMU. This is not like, oh, let's laugh at the opponent and they stink. No, it, it's pretty spectacular when you can take a 10-win team and make them look utterly hopeless.
0: It was amazing to watch, and I think that's so true. Um, my fourth down I will split between two players, I guess. I'll cheat a little bit. Um, first, I've I got to mention Harry O'Kelly again. I, I think this was the first game, You know, the first quarter of this game, JMU really struggled with field position. They yeah. kind of got pinned in. And, you know, we've talked so uh, much on this podcast and, and uh, among all the fans about how great Harry O'Kelly has been as the season has progressed and what a weapon he's become. But he hasn't faced a lot of pressure. You know, he hasn't had to punt in tight situations, in tight games very often. And this weekend, he was really forced to do that, uh, punting out of, out of his own end zone in, t- in a, you know, a close game early on. And he, he looked great, so that was great to see. But, the, but my fourth is much like the team, is Brian Shore. Uh, Brian broke the all-time record for total completions at JMU, uh, formerly held by Justin Riscotti this weekend. And we, you know Rob and I texted a little bit during the game about maybe he should have thrown one, one or two away more. Um, you know, the little nits to pick here and there, and, and you're kind of like thinking he's not having a great day. And you look up at the end of the game and he's, what, 26 for 35 for 255 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. And JMU blows another good team out, right, by three scores. It's just incredible, this kid. Um, the throw he
1: made to Stapleton yep. was one of the best throws he's made all year. Yep. I mean, he just dropped it in there. It looked like somebody was, you know, had a ladder five feet above Stapleton's head and was just slowly dropping the ball into his hands. <laughs> yep. but it was thirty-five yards down the field. You
0: know? Yeah, well, and Stapleton was a big part of the game this week. It was nice to see yep. him in the mix. And and after John Miller got hurt, um, or John Miller got hurt in this game, um, obviously D'Angelo Amos had the big return that was really exciting. Uh, double Bryce McGinley block on that return downfield, which was great, and and um Stapleton filling you know he's not playing Miller's position but certainly all's you know all's went crazy this week was the best player on the field probably on either side of the ball but it was really great to see another receiver kind of step into those shoes of John Miller's and pick up the pace um obviously the tight ends were not a big part of the game plan against Stony Brook this week it didn't appear so maybe we'll see a little more Kloosterman and Cheatham at some point um they caught might have caught a ball each late in the game. But, you know, this was a receiver's game and an outside game. And Stapleton stepped up big. So that was great.
1: Yeah, he's got great hands. He does. Yeah, and I he mean, showed
0: a little shiftiness this weekend that we haven't seen, you know? Yeah, well,
1: they, were, they weren't they were doing, like, bubble screens. But they definitely were just kind of throwing it out to him and the other receivers, you know, in the right. flat and letting him go. And yeah. they didn't break him off big. But it's nice when you can almost use that sort of – those. Short passage. All misses are your running game. You know, get the six, seven yard chunks. That's what That's it pretty was. Pretty much for the, the entire first drive. It was yeah. just let them go, make one guy miss, and get an extra three yards. Yeah, you know? and it was it was cool. Yeah, was- I, all the receivers are good. Um, it's nice to see alls kind of step up and take that kind of alpha role
0: or, or the yeah it was the clear
1: number one receiver. Yeah, I think that helps. But everybody else can be rel- relied upon. They're all they're all really solid.
0: And I have to admit, I kind of forgot. You know, Ravenel was so huge last year. Obviously, Richard Davis and John Miller were both in the mix last year. But Alls, for much of the season last year, and, you know, he Alls missed, <laughs> missed the playoff run last year. Um, he was one of the guys who was out in the latter half of the playoffs. But I kind of, I have to admit, I've kind of forgotten this season with him. There were plays, last, it felt, there was a stretch of games last year, five or six games, where every single game he made a play you know, at least one or two plays in the game that you thought that's an FBS transfer, yeah, you know, and and there it is, that's why he played at Duke. And we saw some of that this week, too. I mean, he was just there was nobody that could cover him anywhere on the field. And I don't think it's, I mean, it's a huge positive sign going forward, yeah. If, I
1: thought Eldridge played well, too. Eldridge very- did play well, you're right, he's become. You know, with alls back and kind of taking that number one role, Eldridge is just a very reliable kind of possession receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's got like a pejorative, you know, that just like right. calling a QB a game a game, game manager. manager. Hey. I don't think that's the case. I mean, that's just a guy. If you need somebody to make a tough catch at the sticks, Eldridge is your guy. He, yeah, he, comes he made up with a play
0: them. on a little slant route over the middle this week where he really had to be brave, you know, yeah. and, and get his hands out there and no, he might take a shot, and he mm-hmm. made it and, and actually, I think, broke the tackle for a couple more yards yeah. and picked up a first down. It was exactly that kind of play.
1: Yeah, I like him. He's good on the sidelines. He's good in tight spaces mm-hmm. um, and just very reliable. You know, he, he's a, I guess that's my word of the day. I yeah. feel like i said that about 50 times. Well,
0: and if Miller can't go this week, I think Archie will probably get a shot uh, this yeah. week as well, and he certainly has. He knows how to get open. Yeah. You know, he's just got to catch the ball, and, and they've got to find him more. But, but he certainly appears to put himself in the right position a lot. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. So I think that about covers Stony Brook, um, we are going to do two concerns, as we always do, heading into Friday night's matchup uh, with the boys from the Big Sky Conference. Um, just so everybody knows, uh, the Big Sky often has a reputation as a finesse conference. Uh, a lot of throwing the ball around. Uh, we heard from Brian McLaughlin a couple weeks ago from the Hero Sports guy that Weaver is the one team out there that really plays defense. Um, I don't know about Rob. I got the chance to watch Weaver's game Saturday night or a good portion of it, and uh, yeah, they're a really good all-around team. So the I
1: don't quarterback know what... supposedly pretty impressive, isn't he? I, yeah, that's I, what I was I, I didn't say. get a chance to see it, but I've been reading up on him, and everybody's saying the quarterback who's like closer to our age than <laughs> the most of
0: the jamie players. Yeah, um, no, Stephen Cantwell is the quarterback. Um, he looked really solid. Um, he reminds me a lot of Brian Shore, um, just kind of a combination. I mean, he definitely can move around pretty well. I mean, he's a decent runner. You know, this isn't, um, you know, this isn't rookie year RG3 here, but this is a, a, a really competent runner and a tough-nosed kid who seems to keep the play alive and make the right play. Um, as Rob mentioned, I think he is 25 years old. Uh, one interesting note on Weber State, coming from Utah, they do have a lot of Mormon kids from the state of Utah. Um, so they have quite a few players who are 24, 25, 26 who have already served their mission um, and are back. And That's, That
1: could be important. I mean, typically yeah. it, it, there's a big difference between a 25, 26-year-old yeah, you know, man yes. and a 20, 20, um, you know, and particularly I'd imagine doing something like you know, a mission for two years Mm -hmm. probably changes your perspective and maybe gives you a totally different outlook on something like a football game. I'd imagine it could, you know, I don't know, things that I worried about at age 20 or the panic (laughs) that I would get in athletic contests. Right. Probably still would have been there at 25, 26. You're a good athlete, but (laughs) I I think there is something said for the maturity. And um, I think that being an advantage.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think, I mean, anybody who's watched BYU and Utah over the years, you know, they've made a living with that um, over the years. And, it also has a lot of kids that you know puts put a lot of time into your program, um, you know even if even if there's a break in the middle, those are kids that have been around a program or a coaching staff or a scheme for five, six, seven years. And um, wasn't
1: he a junior college guy? Though, like I don't think he was at Weber. Yeah, did his mission. then came. back. Yeah,
0: I don't know about him. I know they have some other yeah. players as well. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean he he is my concern. I mean they are. I mean, I, I think this is another tight, tough game potentially. Um, Weber plays legit defense. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that this is the week that I don't know that we're going to have that week this year, the way the bracket sets up that JMU is going to, you know, explode the way they did last year in the playoffs, but where we saw Joe Carbone this week and Trevor Knight from New Hampshire in the regular season, you know, we've seen some quarterbacks break down against JMU's defense who are decent players. Um, this kid looks like he's a step or two above decent and I, I think it could be a real challenge for JMU. I, I think that's definitely my concern in a low scoring game to have a smart kid yeah, back there.
1: And, and if I'm correct, I mean, yeah. you know, jump in here if I'm wrong, but didn't he miss the first loss against Southern Utah?
0: He did. Yeah. So they're, um, they lost, they beat Southern Utah this weekend. They spotted Southern Utah 10 points on the road this week and then basically blew their doors off the rest of the way. Uh, they went on a thirty to three run, or something like that, after the ten nothing deficit. And yes, Stephen Cantwell, the quarterback, missed their game in the regular season when they lost to Southern Utah at home. So that's obviously a big factor um, in what happened to them in the regular season. Now they were seven and four. I can't say I know their or eight and three. I can't say I know what their other losses were. I assume there's probably a FBS loss. I thought they,
1: loss. Were, I thought they lost two. Is it I only it was, two? I, I think I, yeah. they lost to – Southern Utah and then um Cal, lost yeah Bowers. they did. You're right. They lost to Ross Powers. Yeah, because yeah, Coach Powers was actually yep. tweeting today. He said, you know, well coached team, good special teams, very good defense, um, and he complimented the play calling as well. Yep, so.
0: you're right. And and that's the thing. I mean, uh, our friends over here at Sports ranked all the special teams in the playoffs at the start of the playoffs, and the only team they put ahead of JMU was Weber State. So, definitely a team that's probably not going to make the kind of mistakes. I mean, JMU's not going to win because they get five interceptions, most likely, this week. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to earn this one. And now, that said, I don't know the Weber State. I mean, they they played the night game on Saturday, and they are coming across the country on a short week. Uh, JMU, not the easiest place to travel to when you have to come by plane to Dulles and then take a bus. <laughs> Um, yeah. For a Friday night game, uh, I don't think Weber State, being from Utah, it, it, there are some flurries in the forecast. It should That's be. A, not, <laughs> I don't think that'll get
1: to them as much no. as it'll get to our fans.
0: Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, Sam Houston State was uh, seemed to be they didn't want to be out there in the valley wind at 22 degrees last year, uh, coming from Texas. I don't think Weber State's going to have the same issues. No, uh, I mean, they it, had it, snow today, and we saw pictures of their campus today had snow. So. Well, I
1: mean, they're they're used to road games at Eastern Washington, at Montana. Right. Um, they've yeah. seen some weather.
0: They have. The yeah. So I think those are – I don't know if you have anything else, Rob, but I think those are – I think our main concern is just the, the general strength of the team JMU is facing. I. To me, yeah, it looks I – mean, like, this might be the best team they played all year. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, I think
1: that's definitely fair. Um, And I have limited knowledge. I mean, like I'll read about these things, but – like most of you, I probably don't get to watch a lot of big sky football. <laughs> um, not that I wouldn't like to. I mean, I, right, I, right. I respect the heck out of it. It's, it's a good conference. You know, yeah. People do talk about being finesse, but they seem to always have – the conference champ always seems to be in the mix. Um, I, I am slightly concerned. I'm not going to talk about the offense or like, oh, no, you know, they're not scoring as many points. But the continued struggles on third down, um, I, I think, are, are going to catch up with them eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a close game and things like, you know, what were they like four for twelve or something on Saturday? Yeah, and I can't figure it out.
0: You know, yeah, like it's,
1: I, it's, it, there's just something like it. Just I don't know. It don't more than that though was the first and goal from the one.
0: Yeah, and before the half the field goal. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, Jamie did not run the ball that well. They didn't really need to. You mm-hmm. know, they kind of get out of that lead as we talked about ad nauseum, but you know you should be able to punch that in and in years past jamie you always had one if not two or three backs Mm -hmm. you could count okay let's just blow these guys through run through the hole and get it they tried three straight times couldn't get in um yep a small sample size and all that but that was a little concerning to me when combined with the other struggles on third down you know the the critical yards that they're going to need uh hopefully for three more games Mm -hmm. uh It's just, you hope they can get it done. Yeah, I mean, one
0: thing I I completely agree, and it's definitely a concern. Um, I think the positive part of me thinks the running backs have a game in them yet. Um, Jamie did run the ball really effectively with Brian Shore this week. Um, Yeah. Right, they did. He did pull it down, and and clearly the training wheels were off of the Brian Shore running game this week. And, you know, he had, I, I don't know, three, four, five first down, first downs that he picked up by pulling the ball down and running himself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, A.J. Bolden, the left guard, got a little nicked up in this game, um, did not finish the game. I don't know what the story is there. Uh, that's the side of the line we haven't worried about as much this year. They've, that's been more consistency. Certainly, Zaire Bethea, uh, Liam Fornidal are both have had a great deal of experience this year, seem ready to fill in if needed. Um, but yeah, JMU is still searching for consistency in the running game. I, I do think, Rob, on the third down thing, it, last year JMU was otherworldly on third down. Oh, they were like right?
1: 56, yeah. 57%. There's something ridiculous. Right. And they've been pretty good overall
0: this right. year. But And it's sure kind of, had
1: some time
0: sometimes yeah. this week. I mean, it wasn't complete breakdowns. Um, no, but, I'd
1: actually, we, when we were kind of, Picking nits and yeah. going up like oh, he's got to throw some of those. We both said, like you got to give Stony Brook's defensive line. That's sprint. what I like, was thinking. Yeah, there was there were some coverage sacks, but you know, with that, you kind of rely upon the defensive line not to give up, and they kept chasing sure kept chasing them or just kept pushing. A couple times, the pocket just collapsed around him. Um, it's one of those things. Like it, it, I don't know, it's tough to tell on TV because you're not really seeing the receivers. Mm-hmm. They definitely look like coverage sacks, but it was almost like at times it looked like he sure had all the time in the world. And then a half second later, four guys just collapsed.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, it was just, it was tough. Um, yeah, yep. And I'd rather have him, you know, kind of eat those than throw interceptions.
0: For sure. Oh no, I, so, I don't think he made a terrible decision at any no, point. No. He certainly didn't turn the ball over. Correct. Or do anything stupid. So no, yeah. even though even the one that took them out of field goal range at that one time or arguably field goal range. I mean, I, I think I could see what he was thinking as the play was going on, which is, I'm screwed here. I got to just eat this.
1: <laughs> well, particularly, in you know, most of the first quarter, and even some of the second quarter, when it was just a field position battle.
0: Yeah, it's like it okay,
1: let's just take it and punt it back, and sooner or later we'll flip the field, and they did. Mm-hmm. Virtue, of, we got a very good Amos. You know, got a very good punt oh, return, yeah. and um, so it is a smart play. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, the, the, the third downs. I would just want to be confident that against a North Dakota State or against a Weber State or New Hampshire or. Whoever they end up playing, you know, God willing, if they if they keep going, Mm -hmm. that they really can get those critical yards um, when they need them. Now we've seen that they can, you know, Richmond when they really needed to, they got them. They could just flip a switch. Um, I think the game plan this weekend was let's score early and then just coast it out, as we said. So, you know, logically you can say, okay, this team when they do what they want to do, um, you know, when they execute the game plan, it all works out. But um, I don't know. 30, yep. What is it? Forty nine yards rushing on like thirty eight carries. That's a little bit yeah, concerning. concerning yes. Going going into the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, and, and that's another place maybe Kloosterman and Cheatham at some point. You know, I, I'm not maybe Jamie will never find it in the running game, but maybe yeah. there are some shorter, quick passing plays that might help bail them out on third and manageable as well yeah. um, that they can find sooner or later. I I, I do think this game was kind of weird because they did jump up. I mean, they were up nineteen nothing at half. And that changed the entire way JMU played in the second half. We rode each and, other at and halftime. And
1: 19 nothing with the JMU defense is yeah, like both being
0: said, up 107-0. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. we rode each other at halftime, and I was like, we both said, they don't have 19 in them. Like, no, You not. know, like, I, this is going to be a, a pulling teeth in the second half. Yeah. You know, and uh, so you, you got to kind of take a step back and, and think about that a little bit. I mean, I'm sure the coaches are riding the O-line and riding the running backs as, you know, as much as any fans are this week. And I'm sure those guys are proud, and and they want to step up and make and you know show something different this week as well. But you got to take into account where the game sits and the way that JMU plays the game this year.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, all, all year I kind of thought people were crazy, like conspiracy theory crap, like oh they're just keeping it vanilla because we're winning. But I'm starting to think all those people were right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you I know? mean, like it's just it it is frustrating, but it's like we're this confident in the defense when we watch them play on Saturdays. Houston, and the coaches. I've watched them play every day since August. Right, you know, like right. they are supremely confident. Um, the, the players seem confident in each other, and I, I don't know. I'm starting to think they're I'm starting to think they might know more about football than I do.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, in, yeah, just, in, just in Houston we trust. Yeah. So, and oh, that, well, that that should be
1: our other down though. What about his quote? Oh, what did um, he say? Houston, what was it that he has Said he was talking to him and Houston said that he thought JMU was the best coaching job in the country outside of the P5.
0: Oh, I loved it, yes. Which,
1: that was, I mean, that was the most exciting thing in the second half. Yeah, well,
0: we talked about this last, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, you know, we we talked about this on the pod, about sort of Houston's future and what we all thought, and, you know, we kind of quizzed – Quiz some people about it, and uh, yeah, I think Houston's just a smart guy about this. And you know, like today, Louisiana Lafayette fired their coach, and immediately they said Mike Houston's on their list. And I thought, come on, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, no, you know, he's not going to Louisiana Lafayette. Like, you know, if he gets to go to Tennessee or Virginia Tech or NC State, well, good luck. Um, and we'll say thank you. But yeah. you know, I, I think he's, I think he sees what he has here, and I think he knows he's got institutional support. He's got facilities. He's got a talent base to recruit from. He's got a coaching staff. I mean, the guys he has right now with Bob Trott and this this, this crew. Steine and Kirkpatrick. Yeah, these and are even guys, young
1: guys like Drew Dudzik. I mean, we're yeah. singing the praise of the receivers. Yeah, I mean, that, That's a young coach who's coaching them.
0: Absolutely. But I think you're right. Steinspring, Kirkpatrick, Trot. These are not guys who are necessarily looking to just move on anymore in their career. And these, they, are, these, they, are, these are football guys. These are football say. guys, and they know they've got a football factory here. If yep. they want it, and if they stick around, they can keep winning, and those opportunities will still be out there. So, I, yeah, I, I agree completely.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to leave eventually. Everybody does. Sure, so I'm not going to lose sleep over if it's whatever. He's a great guy, but I think he's smart enough to realize he can build every bit of an impressive resume here, perhaps even more so. Than jumping to a low level G5 job. I think so um, too. I mean, it is. me can be a struggle. You know, you're continuing to crank out nine, 10, 11 wins year in, year out at JMU. Um, yep. That, that'll get noticed. Um, it will. You know, you, you see just the peripheral. I mean, if you would have said three or four years ago that no matter how ridiculous or out there the blog was or, <laughs> or the site was, to see Mike Houston's name listed in multiple places, even if it's 15th or 16th on the list, for the University of Tennessee, this debacle aside of what they're doing, right? That's crazy. I it mean, is. that's you know that that's nuts. So, Like he's getting noticed twenty-five games into his tenure at Tennessee. That's yeah. going to continue to happen. Um, and I don't think he's going to jump for an extra one hundred and fifty grand, but a shorter lifespan, or, or, or I don't know. I don't know the man, but he's in a good place. It was just really nice to say that he's sharing that with yeah with awesome. the announcers I forgot about on that. Friday. Yeah, so that, that was. That was
0: probably my favorite part about the game. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. So this Friday, um, hope to see a lot of people out there. Um, it will be cold, dark, and perfect to paraphrase Mike Houston. Again, this Friday. These games are fun. Uh get a room in town, bring your uh bring fire up the dickle. <laughs> yeah. Get get ready for a Friday night game in the bird.
1: Bring a blanket for the bleachers, that's the key. Don't oh, sit yeah. on the metal. There you go. Br- bring a bring a sleeping bag or a stadium blanket. <laughs> yeah. Get that between your
0: buns and the seat. And it Often it like allows for some extra portability into the stadium as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. so you can wrap, wrap a couple airplane bottles in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> something like that. Uh, don't tell Zach Price that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, this week, for off-topic, we are going to do something we had talked about for a couple of weeks. Um, this one's pretty personal to us. Um, we're going to talk about our top three favorite uh, live music venues that we have been to this is not necessarily the best live music venues it is just our personal personal favorites um rob i don't know if you have a first one you want to start with
1: um i, I mean or do you want me? i'm combining like
0: okay the venue with particular
1: shows so like you said it's not like the best one so, but like okay. some of my my favorite memories or best best places i've seen mm-hmm. a show. Um, I don't know. I assume one of us will talk about 930 Club, so I'll leave that. We either yeah. both talk about it or, yeah. or you can talk about <laughs> it's my it. Number um, one, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, that's, I assume that knowing. We can take that off the board. Yeah. If you grew that's... up in DC, well, people, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it's the best. It's yeah. the best. I mean, g- going back to the old days. Um, yeah. Not the one on F Street, but the new one, which, <laughs> yeah. which is great. New. It's 25 years old.
0: Right. Um, D.C.'s I'm going to. Yeah, one legit rock club just yeah, fantastic well, now now we
1: got another one the anthem the anthem and, i
0: know that's a bigger venue right yeah it's, and, it's still nine thirty people running it is right? yeah so and, good for that.
1: i think bonnie bear's there this week right um,
0: and nine thirty took over merriweather a couple years ago and have done a great oh, job up there so no yeah. it's
1: epic and, and the bayou's closed so i guess i won't go there oh
0: i know iota's closed now too which is sad i yeah.
1: know that was that was our wednesday night open mic night that was our go-to
0: yeah yeah
1: that place was great yeah good beers i'm gonna go with um the tabernacle in atlanta i guess it's like i I lived in atlanta for a couple Mm -hmm. years um for those people that don't know like i i went to emory um for graduate school so i was down in atlanta for a couple years um and definitely liked the live music scene down there a little bit different than up here a little bit more eclectic it was certainly um i don't know a little more star based than, than DC, DC <laughs> really, rock and roll town or anything. But like what was neat about Atlanta, you'd see like, you know, obviously Atlanta, the, the rap scene is a big deal. Like you would see those dudes out and about. Um, like I, I remember being at a bar on a Tuesday night and bumping into somebody. And it was CeeLo, you know, like it was just, it was weird. Atlanta's got a very cool vibe where it's just like people could be more regular people there. Um, and a lot of stars would come in to, to record and whatnot. But, um I'm gonna go with the Tabernacle. It's I guess it's like their version of Nine Thirty Club. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe Atlanta people would butcher me and it's like an awful, terrible place. But No. I think it actually was started like it was an old church. I mean they call mm-hmm. it the Tabernacle because it's an old church. You still see the pipe organs behind it and it's got like the upper balcony like you would see in a church. Um and then I think if I got this correct, it was kind of redeveloped as a music venue for the olympics mm-hmm. and they were struggling to find people to do it and the folks from house of blues came and like fixed it up and then did it for the olympics a couple of years and got out and now it's just it's called the tabernacle um it's about the same size roughly as an i-30 club mm-hmm. um it was cool you see like just national touring acts and that kind of you know medium size small to medium size venue thing I saw like the strokes there. I saw Trey Anastasio when he was doing a hiatus from fish. And saw a lot of really cool shows there. It's just a very cool vibe. You know, it's like an That's old awesome. restored church yep. that is now a live music venue. And it's just super cool how they left some of the, the church's touches. Um, but it's like this cool rock club. So
0: nice. Well, I will come yeah. back to an old restored church as well in a little while. Okay. Um, but my first one, like Rob, I will go back to my post-college days. I lived in Colorado for a little while and as much as I think it's hard to pass up Red Rocks, which is just an iconic venue in Colorado, um, the outdoor location, which is just a like town softball field, but the outdoor location where they hold all the Telluride festivals is incredible. Um, I got to go to Telluride Bluegrass Festival. Oh, uh, that's on my bucket list. Yeah, there's a Blues and Brews Festival that mm-hmm. they hold at the same place now in the fall. Uh, Telluride is the same weekend as Bonnaroo most, most years, so in June it's insane. I mean, in, in terms of just pure beauty and feeling like you're way, way out there, um, where the, the town of Telluride, I mean, it is at the end of a box Canyon. It ends the the box Canyon ends in a waterfall that you can see from anywhere in the venue, like mountains all around, um, just beautiful weather in the summer, just as, as good a place as you can go to see. Um, Sam Bush is kind of like the King of Telluride comes out nice. and plays with like everybody that that plays in the shows um that was the first time i saw yonder mountain they came and like hung out on our blanket they were from colorado they were <laughs> they were young and like new back then um just just an awesome place to see a show i i love that as as much as i do love red rocks um telluride's pretty uh pretty bucket list item for sure yeah
1: well i mean i've never been to a show at red rocks i've been there several times you, know, mm-hmm. you can do the whatever you can go in because it's a tourist attraction of itself but Colorado's tough to beat in terms of <laughs> natural beauty. I mean, like, yeah. if you're gonna rank the states in pure like aesthetic beauty, yeah, Colorado's definitely podium. I mean, yeah, if not number one. I've yeah. never been to Alaska, but right. geez, there's like, everywhere you go in Colorado, it's gorgeous, and they seem to do a good job of working their lifestyle into the outdoors, um, integrating the music into like these oh, we're not just going to have it in a field. We're going to have it in the most amazing, beautiful backdrop ever. <laughs> That's you know? right, right. We're going to carve this great concert venue into the side of a freaking canyon. Right? Yeah, like it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So, how about you for number two, Rob? <laughs> um, I'm going to go, I don't know, if this is this might sound like I'm being a douche or kind of bragging or like, like I'm not intending to be, but I happen to be in London one time in my life. I'm not like some super traveler or anything. <laughs> but, um, Barney and I were, whatever, back back at the yard, Barney and I, we – got bored where we were and just kind of went to the airport in the middle of the night, flew to London to see a fish show. Oh. And we saw, we saw fish at Royal Albert hall. Oh, cool. Which is, you know, yeah. this like really famous iconic, old. Yeah. Yeah, famous old venue. And um, it's just really neat. Like we were in a box with like velvet curtains and everything. And it was like, it was <laughs> like eight like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was, and then you're there for a fish show. Um, right. And it's, I don't know, it's, it was super cool. Like you've seen fish. I mean, yeah. I'm not like a giant fish head, but I've seen them a lot. Right. um, Not a lot in, scale, in, the, scale in the scale of, of some fish, fish fans. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I, I've seen them a bunch. I've seen them in a bunch of different venues. Um, this was the coolest. It just was so kind of out of character mm-hmm. for, for a big kind of traveling festival of weirdos that, that a fish show could be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was neat. You know, it was, just, it was a really cool venue. I would have gone to see any show at Royal Albert Hall, but to get mm-hmm. to see fish there. Oh, that's really um, cool. You know, we we're kind of – this was – 1997 when you get to think about all the
0: other people that have played there
1: <laughs> that have played there and i mean yeah. you still see it if you yeah. watch like any of the big you know those kind of concert shows that are on television or yep. any of the documentaries it's a really cool venue um and i was just i was really stoked to get a chance to go see a show there mm-hmm. and then to see fish a band that i really enjoyed um it was pretty cool and definitely uh i definitely would like to go back sometime
0: Oh, that's awesome! Well, my second one is a is a local choice for me down here in North Carolina. It's come up once before on the pod, um, but it's a little place called the Hall River Ballroom. Um, it's about forty minutes east of me, kind of in between where I live and and Chapel Hill, and it's in this little town on the river called Saxapaw. And it is a the ballroom itself is a converted mill um, that was right on the river, and it's just the coolest setup and. Uh, I don't know that it's, it's probably not the best like acoustics for people that are really into that and stuff. Um, but gotten to see some really, saw local natives there this year. Saw, oh nice have twice seen his golden messenger. It's an awesome hmm. band from North Carolina. Um, just a really, really cool spot. They have like a butcher. There's a butchery up above where they like have a sausage cart outside the venue during the shows and everything. Um, there's a brewery right next door. Um, hall river farmhouse ales sort of yeah supplies all this stuff it's really cool um and and it's just one of these places you feel like it's so dark out there you are way out in the country and this one little stretch i mean there's maybe six commercial businesses there but it's always dark you know there's there's no ambient light like outside the venue i mean it's just the stars the river it's really cool um it is a really really cool venue for anybody down here who gets a chance to come down and watch in North Carolina? Not a not a ton of like national acts. We saw Jenny Lewis there, but um, n- not a ton of like big things. But a really cool venue locally. So, awesome. what's your what's your top one, Rob? Well, I
1: mean, we kind of casually mentioned the Bayou and Nine Thirty Club. And those are kind of all standards. And, yeah, um, those were both great. I mean, Nine Thirty continues to be great. The Bayou was like such a fun kind of home away from home from for JMU. I always felt That's like. Right. You always go catch shows there, like on summer break or winter break, and you can always run into people from school. So that was fun. Um, I'm going to go with this one. I saw the Beastie Boys. I'm a Beastie Boys oh, fan. Like, they're like... Where did you get to see them? Well, I've seen them a whole bunch of places. Okay. Um, I've seen them like at big festivals yeah. you know, with 30,000 people. Right. I've seen them in arenas. But my favorite show that I saw them was at this place called The Gym. Oh. And we bought tickets, and this was...
0: Where is this? Oh, they just...
1: Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Like, this was back in, this was the Check Your Head tour. So I think it was 1992. Okay. So I was in high school. We're old, by the way, people. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, I'm giving all these videos. <laughs> like, oh, I saw Buddy Holly and the Crickets. You know? <laughs> um, no, but like, so this was back when like, you'd get the weekend section of the Washington Post. They had all the concert listings. Oh, yeah. There was no internet and then you need to go through and they'd be like, oh, who's coming to town? And you know, you'd search through. And I remember we were in high school and we see the Beastie Boys are coming and they were, you know, the biggest thing in, in my life really yeah, right. <laughs> that was not that cool right um, so me and like Gassner and like four or five of our other buddies we call this number and we see oh they're coming to the gym we're like oh must be like a new rock club we're like oh cool <laughs> oh and it's all ages we can go so we buy tickets and then we get directions and it was like we got one of those you know those giant map things yes. like the atlases <laughs> you get like at Seven <laughs> Eleven, you'd like look it up like 20 pages and so we started driving there and it's the Lee Rec Center in Alexandria. Really, and we go in there, and it was the gym. It was like being in a high school dance. They literally pulled the baskets up, put the bleachers back, rolled out that like plastic covering they used to do for high school dances. <laughs> yes, and put a stage on the side of the basketball court, That's and insane. it was a freaking Beastie Boys. <laughs> and this wasn't like, you no, know, that was like that, that
0: was post that was a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, this
1: was a, this was a, a check your head's our third album. I mean, yeah. it was a big deal. And it was like, everybody had the same reaction. Like, oh my gosh, we, we didn't think we were actually coming to a gym. Right. And like, I've told this story for years, so much so that recently I went and looked it up. I was like, like me did and Gaston really like, did, did we really make this up? Right. And no, honestly, I found out about it because I was at a birthday party for one of my kids at this little like <laughs> spray ground that was there. And I was like, I think I saw the Beastie Boys here. And all the other parents were like, "No, what are you talking about? Right. You know? And I looked it up and sure enough, I, I, I looked it up again tonight. It was... May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two, the gym at the Lee Rec Center in Alexandria. Oh, that's awesome! I don't get so it, awesome. but it was just such a cool experience. Like, if you're a big music fan, like we are, yeah, I think everyone's got the same experience. You want your little band, you want a chance to see them in a big, big venue, and because right. you somehow ludicrously feel like it's something to do with you, you right. it's val- you've that
0: been validated oh you've been validated right.
1: but then you also want the chance to see your big huge acts in a small you know be like oh i wish i could have seen you know springsteen at the stone pony or something like that right and this was kind of neat like the beastie boys you know the, the big huge act and then we get to go see them that was essentially what was like a high school dance so yeah um, oh,
0: that, that was that's... probably
1: my favorite concert man
0: oh that's was... so cool well my number one is on the opposite end of the spectrum it is a, one of the country's truly iconic venues. And I know that I'm suffering from recency bias because I went there two weeks ago um, over, over the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but I did get a chance uh, to go to the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, oh. which this is the mother church of country music. Um, it, it was originally a church, um, was built in the late 1800s uh, as a church, and it is the former home of the Grand Ole Opry. It was the home of the Grand Ole Opry from, I think, the late 40s to the early 70s. And then it was kind of – it was abandoned for 20, 25 years. And then the city of Nashville, a bunch of people got together and, and reopened it. And the Opry itself has moved – That's um, like up. a half
1: hour outside town, right? Yeah, it's moved up yeah.
0: to like Dolly Land, basically, yeah. or wherever it is. Um, they have a big, big, big new arena up there. But what I didn't know is now, in December, um, from Thanksgiving to Christmas – they do the Opry at the Ryman. Yeah. And we actually got to go, I got to go to the Opry at the Ryman auditorium, uh, the, the night, the day after Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago. And it is one of those places. I mean, nobody of particular note for anybody that's ever been to the Grand Ole Opry. It's eight or nine different acts in about a two hour window. So mm-hmm. everybody comes out and plays two or three songs. Um, there's ads in cause it's live on the radio, that kind of thing. Friday night at the Opry, um, got to see Sierra Hull. The, sort of bluegrass girl, that's amazing. And Mike Snyder, who's a kind of old, funny Southern musician. If anybody gets to see him, it's really funny. Um, but the Ryman is just one of those places. And I, I don't know how to put this into words, but it, it, whether it's a music venue or anywhere else, I mean, you can feel the history. I mean, it looks, I mean, we, I sat behind a pole, like I had an obstructed view seat, um, down in, near the front. Um, and it, it, you can feel the history. I mean, this is, Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley and Dolly Parton. Uh, And it looks exactly the same that it did in 1968. Uh, Just an incredible place. Uh, The energy in there is unbelievable. I think it only holds about 2,200 people. Uh, So it's a really cool place. There's a lot of, and now it's really cool because they've, you know, Jason Isbell just did like a five day residency Mm -hmm. there, you know, played like five shows there, and they have all kinds of big acts um, from time to time. But for me, that was, a, that was definitely a bucket list item, getting to see the Opry at the Ramen oh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And just one of those places where you can just feel that history. And the minute you walk in the door, you're like – I mean, you walk in off the street of this big, booming, Nash-Vegas street, you know? And then the minute well, you walk it, in, you're And like, it's oh, like a
1: little bit off Broad Street, like back with like yeah, kind of a businessy thing, like three blocks back. You know, there's yeah. like big
0: bank towers and – And it's big so. stained glass windows in the back yeah. still that make it look like a church and like you said, the balcony and everything. Um, you could. We were sitting on the side, so we could see like the backstage area, and it's like that old wood paneling from like your grandparents' basement, still <laughs> back there. Like, just a really, really cool. I I, I, I can't recommend that highly enough. It was such a cool experience.
1: Now so, it's uh, what yeah. a cool
0: town too. Did yeah. you go to?
1: Um, did you go to Country Music Hall of Fame?
0: I did not. No, did not get a chance.
1: I, uh, I, I didn't either because I don't know. It's just a big museum, and I was only there for like three or four days. But they've got. In in the Country Music Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. they've got Hat Show Print, oh. which was originally located across the street from the Ryman, and they were the printers that used to do all those kind of iconic oh um, yeah posters posters yeah that you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it's now like a non-profit It's part mm-hmm. of the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it's on the first floor. You can do a tour of that mm-hmm. without going into the full oh, Country Music okay, Hall of cool. Fame. Mm-hmm. And it's an old letterpress print for any like graphic design nerds or design people. um it's so cool, man. You go in there and you do a full tour, and they show you the f- like the full archives, and they've done posters for everything. I mean, talk about like from like you know oh, Elvis yeah. and Johnny Cash. Yeah. To, um I think they were doing like Sturgill Simpson and Wilco. Yeah, they're um, once, w- when I was there. Yeah. Um, they've done them for like presidential campaigns. It's so neat. I actually went with my mom and dad and um, two sisters. We were oh, there for a cool. cousin's wedding. And my sister Katie is like a graphic designer and very into it. She's like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. And everybody's kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, it's a printing tour. We all loved it. And then at the end, you get to make your own print. Um, It's one of those things, like you try to describe it to people. Yeah. People are like, what are you talking about? And as soon as they like go to the website or see one of the posters, it's instantaneous. They're like, like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I would would love to see that. (laughs) It's it's really – It's pretty cool. If you get back to Nashville, it's definitely worth an hour or two in the afternoons. Yeah, But it's not open on the weekends. Okay, It's only open during the
0: weeks. Oh, got it. No, I did get to go to one other show when I was down there. And and just to go back to my uh, somewhat embarrassing music choices, um, the kid, the kid's name is McKinley James, and he was on the cover of the Eric Church album um, Hmm. a couple years ago. Um, He's the kid with his head down on the Mr. Misunderstood album cover. And what I didn't know was that Eric Church actually did like an audition for like 800 young musicians um, for the person who got to be on the cover. And this is the kid who won. And His family, of course, he was like 15 at the time. His family Jeez. moved from New York to Nashville.
1: There's um, a lot of that.
0: Yeah. And uh, got to see him at this tiny place called The Family Wash in East Nashville. It's really cool. And uh, had a bunch of the guys from Low Street Jackets uh, play the show with him. It's nice. like a total rockabilly show in this tiny like it was like uh, what's that place in Vienna? Um, Jam and Java. Yeah. You know, it was a place like that, like little tiny place. It was really cool. Um, so that was a fun. Yeah, Nashville was a fun fun trip. I'd never been there before. So. Yeah, we, we
1: should do that. Maybe that could be um. Yeah. JMU sports blog podcast on location. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll go, SEC basketball tournament it has nothing to do with um anything. But. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, there <laughs> good you go.
0: excuse. All right. Yeah. So with that. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, thank you as always for supporting us. We, our numbers have been incredible the last few weeks. Um, we are preparing ourselves emotionally for the post football <laughs> nose dive. Yeah. Um, but we can't thank you guys enough. It's been incredible. The support we received, um, just, you know, people clearly enjoying this. I hope you are. Um, if you, if it, if it matters to you, go check out the, uh, t-shirts, bonfire forward slash jmusb Um, you can check out the blog for that too Uh, the one thing with the t-shirts is about half the money you're putting into the t-shirt is going to us so bonfire is a really legit win-win situation Um, so that's really awesome we've never worked with anybody like that before and we're thrilled about the product Uh, hopefully you guys will like it i do know that the purple is very much um, they've changed the purple of the main purple shirt and it is going to be closer to a darker JMU purple for us. So that should be pretty cool for everybody. Um, And hopefully we will talk to you guys again next week. Um, We will see some of you guys at pale fire over the weekend. We hope where you can get your pre pint glass and you can check out some Errant IPA this weekend. (laughs) Sorry to everybody who hates us talking about IPAs. Uh, they,
1: they got a couple stouts too
0: right yeah. Rob where else can everybody find us
1: yeah um, at jamieusportsblog on twitter obviously JMU Um and the drop off might not be that bad I'm, I'm getting optimistic about hoops I know we've, we don't
0: Him really too. have
1: time to cover both but um, the wins and losses I'll, I'll give you my 50,000 know, 50, foot view wins and losses might not reflect it if you don't watch this team but um, it's definitely trending in the right direction Rose, got, Rose got some talent he does. Um, he's got some, some good younger players. Transfers Mosley. Yeah. 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 Um, Matt Lewis it yeah. pains me as somebody who went to Paul the six. He's from O'Connell. It's like, uh. That's like our, our big, like they're the Richmond of uh, my high school. Um, but he's, he's very talented. Um, well, it's, it, it's a good squad. Um, trend in the right direction. So I'm not sure if they're going to be contending for the CA, but they're gonna be a lot more fun to watch. Um, I was kind of hoping Dave would be on next. I want to talk about that Mason game and that unfortunate ending. But Yeah. yeah, um, We will. But yeah. It's a, hoops will be fun this year.
0: We will circle back with Dave and we will have lots of great guests uh, when the football season is over as well. That will hopefully help sustain everybody in the long off season before we get to well, softball. Hopefully,
1: hopefully a little bit shorter. Yes. Hopefully we got, hopefully we got three more games. That's right. Yep.
0: So thank you everybody. Uh, Rob, I will talk to you next Monday. Um, hopefully as we prepare for a final four matchup
1: yeah all right enjoy the game everybody all right
0: go dukes